following audio is from West Pines Community Church. For more information about West Pines, visit us online at westpines.org. You can join us live Sunday mornings at 9, 1030, or 12 in Pembroke Pines, Florida, or online at westpines.org. This week on Wednesday, there was something that flashed across the news that got the world's attention. A man by the name of Billy Graham passed away. And there was a quote that went viral, a quote of Billy Graham's that went viral across the entire globe, the entire world. In fact, this quote was so widespread that someone reported there was a period of time on Wednesday where it was being reposted on Twitter every 15 seconds. I bet you heard it this week. In fact, this is a quote that Billy Graham got from his hero, another evangelist by the name of D.L. Moody. And D.L. Moody is the first one to say this, and Billy Graham took this quote from his hero and reworked it for our generation, and we needed to hear it. I bet you heard it this week. Here's what the quote that rang across the globe from Billy Graham. Someday you will read or hear that Billy Graham is dead. Don't you believe a word of it. I shall be more alive than I am now. I will just have changed my address. I will have gone into the presence of God. Powerful words. Anyone hear that quote this week? See that written? Great quote. And here's what I I want you to think. Isn't it beautiful that a man that some estimate... Some estimate that Billy Graham reached more souls than any other evangelist in history since the Apostle Paul. And what I love is in that moment of his death, one last time, he proclaimed the gospel around the globe. He proclaimed the truth that even though We are far away from God, lost in our sins. God loves us so much, he comes to us, and we can approach Jesus just as we are. Because Jesus died on a cross to pay for our sins, rose again from the dead, and God says if you put your faith in Jesus, you can spend eternity in heaven. And one last time, that message rang around the globe from Billy Graham. Now let me just ask you, like that's a gut check kind of quote. In your mind, when you think about it, is Billy Graham dead? I mean, when you truly think about it, like, do you envision him? He's more alive than he's ever been. I mean, think about that, because Christian, that's our, our hope. That's the truth we cling to. In fact, maybe you're here and you say, look, I'm, I'm not a Christian. I'm, I'm just, I've got questions That's the hope of humanity, of what comes one day. Every one of us is going to die one day. What is coming next? And what we know and what we believe is that this is not our home. We were made for eternity with God in heaven. I want to show you a passage that Jesus talked about that. And it's one of the stories. Jesus was famous and is famous for what is called his parables. He would make up a story 
totally unexpected. You can never predict how the story is going to end. It always has twists and turns and always catches you in the end. And it's an incredible story. It's one of his most notorious, most difficult, most challenging stories. But if you understand what he's saying, it is profound. I want you to go to Luke chapter 16. We're going to look at this story today. Luke 16 verse 1. And hear the words of Jesus himself. Here's his story. He says this. He also said to the disciples, There's a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do? Since my master is taking the management away from me, I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. All right, so here's the setup. There's a a wealthy business owner, and he's got a manager that runs his business. And the, the business owner, he gets wind that the manager is wasting his possessions. He's not doing a good job of running the company. So he calls the manager in and says, okay, buddy, you're fired. Get, get all the accounts and bring it in. I want to see all the accounts of what you've done, but you can't work here anymore. Now, this is not the day, obviously, where he just can clean out his desk and turn in his computer. He's got to go. He's got some homework to do, so he's got to go back out, find all the accounts, and bring it back to his master, bring it back to the, the business owner before he can leave. So he walks out, and he says, okay, I've got to do something because I'm about to, I'm, I've been fired, I'm about to be on the streets. And he says, I'm not strong enough to do manual labor, and I'm too ashamed, I'm not going to become a beggar, I can't do that, so what am I going to do? And he devises this plan, look what he does. This is Jesus' story, he continues. I've decided what to do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said, take your bill and write 80. All right, now I want you just to see what, did you catch what just happened? This guy's like, okay, I've been fired. I need to make some friends really quickly. So he calls in the account and says, how much do you owe? He says, I owe 100. He says, okay, let's say it's 50. Calls in another guy. He says, how much do you owe? He says, well, well I, I owe 100. He says, oh, okay, you take yours and write 80. Do you, do you see what he's doing? He's cheating. All right, let's bring this into a modern uh, context. Okay, let's say you are a business owner and you own a pillow factory. Congratulations, you own a pillow factory. Say it's a medium operation, you manufacture pillows and distribute them to some local retailers, okay? And um, you, you own the pillow factory, but you have someone running it, and, and you find out, okay, this guy's not doing a good job, I've got to fire the manager. But the manager gets wind that you're about to fire him, so he sneaks into his office, closes the door and locks it. He opens up the software that has all of the accounts and all the the accounts that need to be paid in and he starts calling the retailer. So he dials up Pillow Depot. He says, okay, we just sent you um, 10,000 pillows. You owe us $100,000. And the guy's like, well, I'm gonna pay it. I mean, the, the bill's not due yet. He says, okay, calm down. 
I'm going to go into this software and I'm going to change it to, the, to you only owe us $50,000, but you remember who, who did this for you. Oh, all right. Hangs up. He calls Pillows R Us. Says, okay, um, yeah, you owe us $80,000, but I'm going to change it in the computer to $60,000. You just remember who hooked you up and hangs up. Okay, you see what's happening here? This guys he's got a plan, but he's completely dishonest. He's cheating the manager who's about to fire him. You tracking with me? All right, now look what happens. Because I bet this parable is not going to turn out how you're expecting. Verse 8. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. The end. Then Jesus adds this comment. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. Now, wait a minute. Okay, that is not what I was expecting. You know, this is Jesus. He, I, I bet he, I thought it was going to be like a lesson on integrity. And then all of a sudden it's going to be like, and the master found out what the manager was doing. And he, he got him arrested. And that manager had to go to prison. And, it, and Jesus comes in. Well, that goes to show you dishonesty doesn't pay. I mean, that, that's kind of what I was expecting, right? I mean, and there's plenty of things in the Bible that say that exact thing. But that's not what Jesus says. The parable ends like this, and this is always the way it works with Jesus' parables. There's one parable where Jesus says, yeah, there's a, there's a tax collector who were hated, and there's a Pharisee, and they walk into a synagogue, and they both pray, and then he tells you what they pray, and you realize, wow, the tax collector is more godly than the Pharisee. There's that one par- parable, some people call it the prodigal son. The rebellious son leaves, the obedient son stays right by the father, then the rebellious son returns and there's this whole discussion and you realize in the end, the rebellious son actually has a better relationship with the father than the obedient son. And here's how this parable ends, again, unexpected. The master calls him in and says, I gotta hand it to you. You're wicked, but you're shrewd. But you're still fired. So wait, the, the shrewd, dishonest manager, like, he's the hero? Well, it's even crazier because then Jesus says this, man, the sons of, of darkness are more shrewd in dealing with this generation than the sons of light. You realize what he's saying? He's saying, I, I wish the children of God would take a lesson from shrewd people like this manager and be more shrewd like that. Okay, Jesus. Okay, you got to just time out here. Wait a minute. Are you saying that we should be like the cheater? Scholars have scratched their head about this one. They're like, well, maybe he really wasn't cheating. I mean, maybe he was just cutting out his commission. I mean, because clearly Jesus wouldn't lift up a cheater. But you can't interpret it that way. Because what does the master says? He says, hey, servant, you're wicked and dishonest. But you're shrewd. So I want you to sit in that tension for a second because we've got an unlikely hero and an unlikely example Jesus is actually telling us to follow. Look how Jesus wraps this up. This is the rest of his commentary on the story he tells. Verse 9, And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, you may receive in you, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. 
One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Now watch this. No servant can serve two masters, for he either will hate the one and love the other, or will be devoted to the one and despise the other, and then he gets to his point. You cannot serve God and money. You have got to see this parable. Let's start from the back and work in, because he said a lot in there. He says, here's the thing. You can't serve God and money. You can't have both masters. You're going to have to cheat one of them. But here's what he's implying. He's saying, even though you might think you're in control, the reality is you're a servant of one of those two. He says, money is a master that we serve. He says, in other words, you're going to say, each one of us is going to say the same thing to one of these two. We're either going to say to money, money, you are the one that gives me security and safety and joy You're the purpose which I drive after to get more of you. Or we'll say the same thing to God. God, you bring me safety and security. You are the source of my joy and my purpose is to get more of you. Now watch what he says. And he says, and I wish God's people had the shrewdness that this dishonest manager had. He says, Because one of those masters is about to fire you. He says, I wish that we, that he says, I wish that God's people, more of them would have the the same sense that when unrighteous or worldly wealth is what he means there, worldly wealth fails you, you've made friends for eternity. In other words, let me put it like this. What Jesus is saying is, life Life is going to fire you one day. Every one of us is going to die. That's a guarantee. So life is going to fire you. It's going to issue you a pink slip. In fact, right now, Jesus is is saying, let me um, help you catch wind of something. I want to give you insider information. Life is sitting in the conference room planning when it's going to fire you. It's going to happen. And he says, so be shrewd and cheat your current master in preparation for your next one. Cheat life, cheat this life for the sake of what's coming for eternity. You follow him here? He's saying, I wish you'd be shrewd. I mean, the manager, he's just being wise. I mean, he's being dishonest. But he's being smart. Maybe wisdom's not the best word. He's being smart. He's like, okay, this guy's firing me, so I don't care about this relationship anymore. So yeah, I'm cheating him, but I'm going to be making friends for my next season of life. And he's saying in the same way, this life, cheat this life for the sake of eternal life. We put it like this sometimes. You know, we, we think about how the things that, that money can buy it so quickly loses its value. But think of the things that are still going to matter to you, Christian. 
if it's true that you're going to spend eternity in heaven, that means tens and hundreds of thousands and millions and billions of eras in heaven. What's going to actually be valuable to you a billion years from now? The souls that are walking around you. This is a, um, this is a historic concept. I mean, this is what Christians have thought about from the very beginning, okay? And I want to read to you a historic voice. This is a church father. This is out of um, A.D. 125, okay? 125. This is the second generation right after the disciples and the apostles, okay? Right after the New Testament. And this one particular pastor wrote this book called The Shepherd of Hermas. And in it, he was challenging the church to leverage their resources, especially their financial resources, for the things that would matter for eternity. He's talking about leveraging your life for pushing the gospel forward. And he describes that kind of leverage. He says this, This lavish expenditure, the lavish expenditure of furthering the kingdom of God, this lavish expenditure is beautiful and joyous. It does not bring grief or fear, but joy. Now watch this, this is powerful. So do not practice the extravagance of the outsiders, for it is unprofitable to you, the servants of God. But do practice your own extravagance in which you can rejoice. Did you catch that? He's saying essentially this. I'm commissioning you to live an extravagant life. But Christian, you have your own type of extravagance. He said there's one type of extravagance that is according to this life. Or if money is our master, if money is my master, then money calls me to one type of extravagance. It says, okay, you have this house, but what if you had this house? Okay, you have this vacation, what if you had this vacation? You have this car, but what if you had this car? These clothes, but what if you had these clothes? It's calling me to a life of extravagance. But he said, but if God is serving as our master, it's calling us to a different kind of extravagance. He says, I'm calling you to live in extravagance for souls. Live an uncommon extravagance because you believe something uncommon. This is not my home. Eternity is my home. Live an extravagance, your own kind of extravagance, for the sake of the one single hope that matters for eternity. Throttling the gospel forward. We're in a, a season right now, this series called Extravagant where we're talking about our mission is to see South Florida transformed. We love South Florida so much, we are not going to sit by and do nothing with the brokenness and the hurt of South Florida. We, it's not about building our church. It's about sending the gospel out and leveraging everything we've got to get the gospel out into our community. There's a story that I heard once about from a guy by the name of Hudson Taylor, and he wrote this in his journal. This was a real experience that happened to him. He was a missionary to China um, a couple hundred years ago. And he said he was on a riverboat one day. And there was a guy he met on this riverboat uh, the night before. And the next morning, there was a commotion on deck, and the man had actually fallen into the river. And they're all leaning over the side, and the boat's still moving away to where he fell in, and they're waiting, and he's not surfacing, and they're realizing he doesn't know how to swim. 
And so they, they see a fishing boat right near where he fell in, and they're flagging him down. They're like, hey, hey, and there's two men in that boat. And they say, hey, there's a man, and he fell in the water right there. Can you reach in? Can you, can you pull out the man? And they looked at them, and they, and they said, well, what business is it of ours if a man fell in? And they're shocked, and they say, he's drowning. Can you, can you get him? Can you reach in and, and get him? And they said, do you realize we're... we're this is work here. This is how we make a living. We're fishing. And they're like, please, please, he's drowning. And then Hudson Taylor reports, he said he couldn't believe it. They actually said, okay, how much will you pay us? And at this, Hudson Taylor says, I, I, he just took off his coat, jumped in the water, swam as fast as he could all the way back to where this man was. He's feeling around in the water, finally finds him. He brings him back up to the surface. He's unconscious. He gets him all the way on the shore, puts him on shore. And no matter how much they worked on him, they were never able to revive him. And he said, I felt anger. He said, how could they not, if it was in their capacity, do whatever it took to rescue this drowning man? And he realized it was the same compulsion that drove him to become a missionary. West Pines South Florida is drowning. Evil is trying to plant a flag here and say, I'm going to reign over South Florida. I'm going to rip apart homes and families and I'm going to cause a mess. I want sin and evil to reign and bring people down to destruction. And we as a church are saying, that is not going to happen on our watch. We're not going to just sit in the boat. We're getting in the water and doing whatever it takes to be a part of God's rescue mission. Why? Because we love South Florida that much. And so through this series, we've mapped out, okay, here are our next three steps because we're going to stop at nothing to get the saving message of the gospel out so people can be transformed from the inside out. And we said, okay, church, we're turning over a new chapter in this season of our ministry. God is calling us to advance. And so here's the next steps. The next steps is we're already in the process of doubling the size of our kids' ministry space because we want nothing to, to cap out how many kids and families and students we reach with the saving power of the gospel because our kids and students are some of the most vulnerable in our community. And that's already underway. Phase two is that we have realized that, that the people that attend West Pines, us who attend West Pines, are scattered all over South Florida and that's preparing us for something. And so step two is in the next 18 months, we're gonna drop a second West Pines campus in another strategic location so that in that neighborhood around those businesses and those friend groups, more world changers can be pumped out, transforming that part of South Florida. And then phase three in the next three to five years, we're going to drop an another campus that will be in a strategic location. And that will be the broadcasting resourcing campuses for, for the rest of the West Pines family across South Florida. And we believe God is calling us to aggressively do that. Why? Because we know the hope for South Florida is the gospel, and we're going to do whatever it takes to see that happen. So here's the next step for us in this process. There's a tool that we are introducing today. And it's in your bulletins. It's a commitment card. Can everyone take a second and take this out? Okay, go ahead and pull this out of your bulletin. I want to explain to you what this is. And while you do that, we have our stagehands. They are going to uh, come on out here. 
And they have a gigantic one that I'm going to use as an example. And let's give our stagehands a round of applause. They go unnoticed. <laughs> Worship ninjas. Sneak on here. Dee is literally a ninja, actually, by the way. She teaches like Krav Maga. You do not mess with Dee, okay? Um, anyway, so... Um, this is a new tool that we're using as a church. So this is new to us. And let me just start off with a couple things. Okay, first of all, all we're asking you to do today is to take this home and think and pray through it. That's all we're asking you to do today. The challenge is, is that everyone who calls West Pines their church home would prayerfully go through this and then in a couple weeks, we're all going to come together and in this show of unity and to show the level of ferocity we have to, sit, to serve and love on South Florida, we're going to turn all these in together in a couple weeks. Okay, the second thing, though, is if you're our guest today, here's what I would say to you. There is absolutely no expectation that you would participate in this initiative with us. This is what God is calling us to do. But let me say something. I'm glad that you're here because I'm glad that you're seeing how seriously we take this call to love South Florida. We're not just going to talk about it. We're actually going to do it. And so I want to walk through this. I want to take some time, since this is a brand new thing we've never done, I want to take some time and walk through this practically because um, I want this to be as, as easy to use as possible. And so we're going to use a hypothetical person. Um, we're going to say um, that a, a hypothetical person that goes here to West Pines, we'll call him Barista Joe passion for coffee, he works at Starbucks, okay, maybe he's just out of school, he's kind of getting himself on his feet, okay, Barista Joe, and he comes to West Pines, and he's like, look, this is my church, I'm in, um, help me take my first steps, and so he, he takes this card home, he prays about it, and he comes to this first line, and it says, what I normally give in a year, and so Barista Joe says, you know, I've really never taken that step before. Like, I've actually never, generosity's just never been part of my life. And so he says, okay, so I've, I've never given anything before. He'd put a, a zero right there. And then he goes to this next line, and he says, okay, this is um, what my extent, expanded annual generosity for this initiative. He says, okay, God, how are you stretching me to give in this season? You're stretching our church. What are you calling me to do? Now, this, is, uh, th this card is something that Already the entire leadership of West Pines, we have already done this. 100% staff, elders, and even many of our lay leaders have already done this card and actually turned it in because we're like, we want to be like the tip of the spear. We want to lead the way. And this, I've, we've already, I've already had some people share with me some of their stories on how they came to this number, and it was really moving. So one family, a guy came up to me and he said, man, thank you for this card. I wasn't really sure what to expect. But I sat down with my wife, and we were going through this, and he said, and we went through our bills, and he said, and I got to my, my cable bill, and he said, he said, I was looking at that, and I'm like, why do I have this particular cable package? He's like, there's like four million channels, okay? I watch four of them. He's like, I get like some movie channel from Zimbabwe or something like that. He's like, he's like I realized like so much of this is wasted, and, and he said, so I renegotiated my cable bill, got something more realistic. And he didn't say it like, so I cut my cable bill, you know. He didn't say it like that. He's like, man, what was so awesome is now that money that was wasted, I'm leveraging it for something that matters for eternity. There's joy in, in 
his eyes when he's telling me this. Another uh, family said, you know, we are, we're planning on, we usually get a tax return, and we're planning on part of what we're going to do here in the expanded giving is give our tax return the next two years. And what's funny about that is, man, that's a gamble. That's one thing if your return is three digits. But what if all of a sudden they get the return and their account's like, a miracle has happened. You wouldn't believe what your tax return is. They're like, whoa, God, could we have a conversation here? I mean, I know we talked about this, and I love that. They're saying, okay, God, part of what we're going to do is in your hands. Let's see what you're going to do. Another family, they said, hey, so we, we've never, we've lived in our house for a long time. We've never done anything with one of our bathrooms, and, you know, the tiles are starting to pop up, and some of the fixtures aren't working, and we were planning on redoing the bathroom. And we said, you know what? Let's put this off for a couple years. We'll fix the fixtures. We'll re-glue the tiles. Why? Because we care more about our eternal home than our current home. And so let's say Barista Joe says, okay, what are you calling me to do? And he says, all right, I think I, think I can do $1,000 this year. And he's writing it on. Man, he gets to that fourth digit. He gets a little bit slower when he's writing that on there. He says, wow. And he says, man, how can I do this? He says, all right, look, that seems like a lot, but you know, it's, it's $83 a month. God, I, I want to be stretched. Why? Because I want to do something that matters for eternity. So then you add the, the, he adds this up, zero plus 1,000. It's very dangerous when I do math in public, but I'm going to do my best. So it's $1,000, okay? And then it's a two-year initiative. So it's $1,000 this year, $1,000 next year. Barista Joe puts $2,000 here. And then he gets to this line right here. And honestly, this is the one I'm the most excited about. Because what this says is gifts from my or our other resources or assets. And here's why I'm excited about this. We did something like this a couple years ago. And it was so powerful. We did this initiative called Empty the Barn. And we read this passage where Jesus is like, hey, as you're accumulating more and more, don't just build another barn and another barn and another barn to just hold all your stuff, especially when there's people that are in need. So we did this initiative called Empty the Barn, and people would find things that they're like, look, I, want, I could liquidate this resource or asset to leverage for the kingdom of God. And let me just tell you some of these stories. One woman came in and she said, um, I, I have this diamond ring that's been sitting in um, my jewelry box. She said, I used to be engaged. And when the, we broke off the engagement, my ex-fiance said, just keep the ring. And she said, of course I never wear it. And I don't even know why I still have it. And she said, and I realized that can just sit in my jewelry box or I could sell it. And so she went to find uh, a jeweler to give her a fair, fair price and she sold it and said, I would rather it not collect dust I'd rather bring this in and leverage it for eternity. Another person said, hey, I've, I used to collect these valuable antique train sets. He says, I actually, they're really passionate about them, but honestly, they sit up in my attic, and I remember them once a year when I go, down to get the, go up there to get the Christmas decorations and come back. And I like the thought that they're up there, but you know what I would rather have in a billion years from now? I'm going to care less about the trains and more about the souls who are in heaven with me. So he said, I, I sold them, and, and I brought, and brought in the, the money and said, leverage this for eternity. Another person said, I had a car. I was going to sell it uh, on, on Craigslist and use that money for one thing, but here, I'd rather this be used for eternity. Here's why I like this line, because it is one of the most raw, ancient church, like original first church things that we could possibly do. You go to Acts chapter 2, like a couple months ago, Jesus was on the cross, 
rose again from the dead, went back to heaven. They're all sitting there like, now what do we do? The Holy Spirit drops down, lights them all on fire. Their hearts are on fire. And then, and then they say, what are we going to do? They start meeting together. And one of the things, you go back to Acts 2, 3, and 4 and read what they do. They said, they started selling their possessions. Their possessions from their home, small and big. Some sold properties. And they brought that in and laid it before the church and said, use this for the needs. Make eternity more valuable because of these things. And I love that we're the type of church that says, well, it says this in the Bible. What would happen if we did it? And so I'm excited to see the stories that surface when we say, look, it's wasted here in my attic or my garage, or I could use this, or I like this, but what if this got leveraged for eternity for what matters a billion years from now? So Barista Joe, he's got an old paddleboard he hasn't used in 18 months, and he sells it on Craigslist, gets $500 for it, and then he says, okay, my commitment is $2,500, and he puts, Barista Joe puts his name on here, and in a couple weeks, he brings that in. But when he's done with this card, he looks at it, and he says, man, $2,500. He says, man, I never thought I would be able to do, make, a, make a contribution quite like that. He says, but this card helped me see how to do it. And there's an excitement as he's like, wow, Lord, I get the chance to do that. So let me give you another stage of life, one more. Let me flip this around. Let's say there's a couple, and they're in their careers. Maybe they're two income, incomes in their home, and um, they're in a different place when it comes to generosity. That's a vision they've already caught. It's a priority for them. And so they actually budget into their year, and so they say, okay, so right now, currently, we give $10,000 a year because our, our heart is we want to leave a legacy for eternity. And so then they say, okay, what are we going to expand? They look through their budget. They've said, we've got some vacations that we're going to you know, augment. We're still going to do them because that's important for our family, but we're going to augment them a little and a couple other things. And they say, okay, it's been a long time since we've been stretched in generosity, so we're going to stretch ourselves. And, and they say, we're going to give $5,000 additional this year, so that's $15,000. It's a two-year initiative. Multiply it by two. That's $30,000. And then they say, okay, well, what, how can we be creative for them? They, they look at a couple things. Maybe there's some stocks that they say, you know what? We would rather leverage this for something that's going to matter for eternity. So they say, you know what? We're, we're going to, uh, from our expanded resources and assets, $5,000. And then they put here $35,000. And they take a step back and they look at each other and they say, you know what? Man, that's going to stretch us. But there's a joy that's like, but we get to be a part of something that will matter billions and billions of years from now. See, why are we doing this? Why would we do something like this? I mean, this is stretching us, right? I mean, you might be here and you might be like, man, a card. I never thought like West Pines would do something like this. Like this is making me feel a little uncomfortable. And if you're feeling stretched and uncomfortable, perfect. That's great. That's why we come here, right? It's like you sign up for a, uh, at the gym, and you say, I, you know, I, I want a trainer, and you show up to the trainer, and you're like, okay, I'm here. But man, I don't want to be like breathing heavy and like sweating and stuff, all right? And if I'm sore the next morning, I'm out, okay? I mean, why do we come here? We come here because we're like, Jesus, stretch us, push us, make us more like you. How, remind us what really matters, knowing that this is not our home. Do you know what really matters? We're gonna, Jesus is saying here, you, you really want me to talk straight with you? Jesus says, cheat this life. Because it's, gonna, it's writing you a pink slip. 
You're, one day you're going to be facing your eternity where you're going to be spending billions of eons. Cheat this life for that life because that's your home. What matters? It's souls. Can I just give you a couple quick examples? Check out this video. I came to Christ when I was 18 years old. My father came home one day and he goes to me, um, we're Christian now. And he goes, we're going to church on Sunday and all of our family members have to go. And it had a domino effect and we all became Christian and stayed that way. So I grew up Catholic, very different. Didn't go to church very often at all. Didn't know the gospel. When Chino and I got married, he invited me to a few radical churches. And we eventually found a church that we were able to call home. And we've been able to raise our, our daughters Christian from that moment on. When I became saved, it was very foreign to my family. It was a little hard for them to understand that all of a sudden we're Christians. We did invite family members to come to church. Um, one of those family members was my dad, who was a hardcore Catholic. And I thought there was nothing in the world that would penetrate that heart. Invited him to church, and my dad was saved at that service. And from that day on, our lives changed completely. My dad was very excited to read the Bible, something that he felt as a Catholic had been pretty much hidden from him. He, he passed away from cancer, having no idea that he was going to die that young, but it gives us solace to know that he passed away saved, and it was all because of that invitation to West Pines. I had put the baptism on my Snapchat, and I just wanted to, you know, share the impact of God and what He's doing through people's lives with the people who got who got baptized. I just wanted to share it, put that on my social media, and I didn't think anybody was going to respond or anything. I just wanted to, you know, put it out there. Louis, he he actually got in contact with me. He had um, sent me the post that I had posted on Snapchat, and he was like. Dude, man, I, I want to be a part of this. I feel like I've just been lost in, in, in my walk with God, and I've been going through a rough time, and, and, and I want to know what this is like. I want to know that feeling of being in a church. And looking at this Snapchat, I can tell that a lot of people are getting impacted, and I, I want to know what that's like again. Automatically, I thought to myself, oh, this is God. This is God putting me in, the, in this position, giving me the opportunity to plant a seed. And so I told him about, um, you know, the feud just going on on Wednesdays. He came and even the first time he came, he, he was impacted. And as Justin was preaching, he, um, Louis had told me, dude, man, like, this is what I needed. He prayed um, after, after the service and he felt renewed in his, his relationship with God. Our daughters are in love with the Fuge, and they just tell all their friends about it. So we live in Miami, and they're inviting friends from school in Miami to come to the Fuge. We brought a little girl. She absolutely loved it. She invited her parents. They came to the service. The parents walked in, and they were like, they must have told me 10 times, I've never been to a place like this. They see their kids playing ping pong and in the Fuge having a blast, and they're actually in a sermon able to to receive the word of God that they're not used to. It's unbelievable that God is bringing through the children, kids and parents to West Pines. My name is Diana. And my name is Chino. And we want to leave a legacy of faith for our children because we're all in. I'm Jeremy Augusto and I want to see my friends, my family, I want to see everybody come to Christ because I'm all in.
I hope you got the dynamics in those stories. Okay, let me just just share this with you. Okay, did you see that? Story of a father leads his whole family to Christ. Another story of a a woman had the privilege of leading her uh, adult father to Christ. Children inviting other children into the ministry and then those children inviting their parents, students inviting students and all are finding the hope of the gospel. That's what matters. What could bring more joy to our hearts than knowing that the people around us that we love, I mean, who are those names that you say, I I cannot stand the thought of eternity without them. That is what is at stake. And reaching them will be our extravagance, church. Stop at nothing to be a part of the rescue mission. We cannot just sit by. No, we as a church are going to stand up and say, no, we will do whatever it takes to reach South Florida with the one hope this world has, and it's the gospel. This week on Wednesday, a man who's, uh, whose name is known around the world, he, he entered into his reward. And I can't stop thinking about what that reception was like when Billy Graham walked through the gates of heaven. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the reception of millions that have gone before him that he had fathered in the faith? Souls that are like weeping and with joy saying, I am here because of your faithfulness. And I wonder as he pushed through all of the the, the crowds and armies of people, he just wanted to wrap his arms around his precious bride, Ruth, that he hadn't seen in years and be reunited for all of eternity. But waiting there behind all of them is the one he came to see. His Savior. The one he had faithfully proclaimed all his life. And he falls into his arms. And the words that we all know that Jesus spoke into his ears as he said, he whispered, well done, good and faithful servant. Church, I want to hear those words one day. And I don't want any silly distraction of this life that I'm going to leave behind get in the way of that. And you say, look, I'm, I'm no Billy Graham, but you know, the, the reality of what we know from having an eternal perspective is that was the same reception for every person, every volunteer at a crusade anywhere in the world, any person who, who gave something towards it, any person who prayed for it, they realize now, because it was never about Billy Graham, it was about what God was doing, and we simply saying, I'm in and I want to be a part of it. You and I have no idea the eternal impact a surrendered life can have. But let's go after it with all that we've got. Let's not just talk about it. Let's do it together. Can we take a quiet moment between us and God? Can we leave here today prayerfully saying, God, what are you calling me to do? Because I'm all in you are all in for me. Mathetes, you have two opportunities this week 
Tuesday or Thursday. And if you're a West Pines mathetase, you know that we've been praying over these cards. You've had one of these cards, you've been praying over it. You will have an opportunity this Tuesday or this Thursday to turn in that card and say, here, I'm all in. We are gonna celebrate together and we're gonna turn in that card and then we're gonna all as a church in a couple weeks, again, turn in that card together. This is a powerful moment in our history. How is God calling you to be a part of it? But if you're here and you say, look, I'm so far from God and I, I need to get my own eternity right. I want to join in this mission, but first I need to get my own eternity right. What do I need to do to know that when I shut my eyes for the last time, I will awake before my Savior in heaven? It's so simple. Just come just as you are right now to your Savior who died to pay for your sins and accept what he did so that you can have eternity in heaven. Do you want to put your faith in Jesus right now? You can do that. Right now in the quietness of your own heart, right now in your seat, if you're watching online, right there where you're sitting right now, just silently pray this prayer between you and God. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me so much. Thank you for loving me extravagantly. Thank you for dying for me. Say to, say to Jesus today in your heart, say, I surrender to you. give you my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at westpines.org. If you would like to speak to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, please call at 954-432-0321 or you can email us at podcast at westpines.org.